as we are now in this last week of Advent, quickly approaching Christmas Day, we see around us a world that dimly reflects the one we knew before. Christmas lights twinkle in my own apartment complex and a little rosemary tree in our apartment supports the few ornaments we own. And if you drive by the Bandemir Speedway, you can be dazzled by Christmas and color display that's there. My neighborhood has many inflatable elves and Santa Clauses and even a squirrel with a Santa hat and has this giant dog that my dog, Duke, thinks is a real dog and wants to play with every time we walk by it. Many folks are celebrating and there is a lot to celebrate. There's a light at the end of the tunnel with the coronavirus pandemic, with vaccines being rolled out these weeks. We're watching people get the vaccine. At this Christmas time, we take special time to give our gifts to our loved ones. That brings its own special kind of thankfulness and celebration. Celebration and thankfulness for those we love. We've seen in this season of pandemic incredible kindness and goodness from neighbors and church folks and loved ones. We've watched scientists and doctors and nurses and janitors and frontline workers and delivery drivers and many, many people step up to the plate, do more than what should have been asked of them. And finally, in the season of Advent, we do the preparatory work to welcome Christ into our lives. Incarnation of deity into flesh, reconciliation between us and God, and that is well worthy of celebration. But the world as we know it now, although it is dimly reflecting what was once before, it is drastically different than it was this time a year ago. Many of the illusions we held of how our country treats its citizens, about how we treat each other, many of those illusions have been dashed in negative ways. An alarming amount of people are facing a holiday season with the absence of somebody they love. And an alarming amount of people will have to do that for the first time this holiday season. And we can't help but know that could have been prevented. People are facing evictions, can't afford to pay their rent, can't afford prescriptions, can't afford life right now. And the stresses and anxiety of the last year are enough for anybody to have a difficult time internalizing Christmas cheer and internalizing the ways that the outside world is dimly reflecting what was before. While we sing our gay carols and light our Advent candles and wrap presents for friends and family and waft the smells of Christmas baked goods in the kitchen, we're also deep in a season of mourning. I will include a link in the description 
of a more fleshed out blue Christmas service that has call and response and carols, songs and hymns of our hearts that is provided by the Ohio region of the Disciples of Christ. But I'd like to take a small moment to create a holy space and a holy time for those who might need it. For the lost and the wandering, for the grieving and the disconsolate, for the depressed and anguished, for those who are just going through it right now, there is holy time and holy space for you in the season of Advent and in our Christmas holy days. The good book assures us that our grief is temporary. Jesus says in Matthew that those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus proclaims that all those who believe in him never truly die. 2 Corinthians calls God the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort. And the prophet Isaiah tells us God will comfort all who mourn in the year of the Lord's favor. The Psalms sing of a God who binds up the brokenhearted. But we would do well to not move straight to comfort and consolation without knowing our grief. And just as the good book is full of proclamations of relief and restoration, our holy text also holds within it a multitude of stories of those who have lost and are deep in their grief. In 1 Samuel, David and his men return home to discover that their wives and children have been taken from them, taken captive. And the scripture says, Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. In the Gospel of Matthew, Herod orders infanticide of all the children children under two years old. And the gospel has this to say for the survivors whose children have been targeted and killed by the authorities. It says, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. When Aaron dies in the book of Numbers, all of Israel weeps for 30 days. And even our Savior, Jesus Christ, wept. In the Gospel of John, we are set in a scene where Jesus' good friend Lazarus has died. Lazarus' sister, Mary, meets Jesus, who has come to see Lazarus and her family. And the book, good book reads this. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Jesus knows that he will restore Lazarus to life. Jesus knows the promise of restoration and new life for Lazarus. Jesus even mentions that Lazarus' illness does not end in death. However, Jesus, even knowing the promise of the future, is overcome in the grief of the moment. The Jews see this not as weakness, They don't tell him to hide his grief, to be caught up in something else, but they see it as a symbol of Christ's love for his friend. See how they loved him, they say. And Christ, in the last moments of his life, feeling abandoned and inconsolable, utters the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The good book contains within it hope and grief. The lamentations and struggles of people and their God. God has room for your grief and sorrow in this time of Advent. The Lord does not require from you happiness or cheer or the clanging of cymbals or the singing of joyous hymns. The Lord requires you to seek justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And walking humbly with God means grieving, crying, wandering, lost with God. It means walking with a God incarnated into human flesh, Jesus Christ, who wept at the death of his friend. Jesus Christ, who was hungry and thirsted in the wilderness, who was abandoned by his closest friends and betrayed by one of them. A man who died by politically motivated state violence in front of his mother after bearing the pain and humiliation of the crucifix. The Lord requires of you to walk humbly with Jesus Christ, who knows intimately pain, desolation, sadness, and tribulation. To walk humbly with a God who also walks humbly with you. There is room for you who may be grieving or saddened or lost in this time of Advent. There is holy space and holy time created for you in this time. Our holy book is filled with people like you. And in this time of Advent, we await a child who grows to know the pains and sorrows of what it means to be a human. There is hope for tomorrow and joy in the morning. But God is with you on these longest nights. God bless you. God take care of you. May you walk humbly with your God, who loves and cares for you.